Nintendo will be shutting down the Wii U and 3DS eShops early next year, abandoning over 1,000 titles. And did you know that Nintendo fights libraries who want to preserve those games? Tonight is February 20th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show, featuring your calls and chat comments, is up next. So so you would say, uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right, I'm back. It's been two weeks. Almost didn't remember where the buttons were, even though I sit at this desk every day for my day job. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, yet another edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on Twitch, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for being here uh, on this uh, night off. Uh, I am it tonight. I am the solo act. Orange Lounge Radio is not on uh, tonight because Rob moved into a new house, and uh, I took the night off when I moved into this house. Uh, when, and uh, because uh, there's a lot that you have to do in order in order to to properly move into a house and, and get ready to do something like this. So I completely understand. So I am here. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape the show almost each and every Friday, uh, Sunday night, Friday night. No, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. Uh, we weren't here last week because I went to go watch TV uh, with some friends uh, that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. Very small group of friends. Obviously, everybody's fine afterwards, so um, we were safe about it, uh, which makes me happy. Uh, and uh, but, but we're usually here on Sunday nights. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so... Uh, Twitch.tv slash Vogue Network is where you can be uh, join us on Sunday nights if you are not watching TV or uh, spending time with your family or being a good person, doing other things. I don't know. Uh, but if you have the time and you want to be here, you can be here. Or during the week, we do have a Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. That is where people can post articles and talk about things during the week uh, and get some reactions for things that might have happened uh, before. Uh, or, you know, especially when we have a week off, you can see talk about things that happened during that week. Uh, and, uh, and, and we, you can get your voice heard that way and maybe I'll read it on the show because last week there was the surprise Nintendo direct, um, earthbound and earthbound beginnings or the mother series showed up on the Nintendo switch. So I was very excited about that. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff in that Nintendo direct, uh, that, that I liked it. It is really interesting. A lot of it was remakes and sequels and, and things like that because we are still, reeling from uh the the pandemic era of working where everybody was working from home obviously uh people are going back into the office now i know my wife has to go back in the office in a week and a half uh not every day but they're they're not letting her work from home every day like they have for the past year um so uh but it's a lot easier to collaborate and work on a remake virtually uh than a new game so that's why we're still seeing a lot of remakes. And honestly, I had never really heard of Live Alive, uh, which was a, a uh, Squaresoft RPG for the Super Nintendo that never got a release outside of uh, outside of Japan. 
uh, and uh, it, it looks fantastic. And I watched some stuff from the translated Super Nintendo version because a translation came out in the, in the 2000s uh, where you could play the translated ROM. And, and I'm all in. I'm ready for Live Alive. Um, and uh, there, there were there, the, the Mario Kart 8 tracks. So for $25, you're going to get 48 tracks over the next two years, which is about how many are in a Mario Kart game. So instead of paying $60 for Mario Kart 9, you're going to get this, the same amount of tracks in Mario Kart 8 for, for, for uh, $25. And it'll be part of that expansion pass. But um, it's still not there to get me to get the expansion pass. I'm still going to just drop the 25 bucks on that. Uh, S. Sharon and Matt even said, I've, uh, I've never heard of Live Alive before, not even in my heavy ROM days in the 2000s, but I'm intrigued about it now. A3VL says, I think uh, for Mario Kart 8, they're going to treat track reveals like Smash Ultimate. I'm, I'm okay with that. I am totally fine with that um, because I love me some Mario Kart. And, and they're done with Smash, so they've got to do something to hype everybody up every three months, right? Questbuster says Xenosaga Chronicles 3. Uh, was in there. Uh, Mike Deft, Clonoa remasters. So a lot of remasters were shown, uh, and uh, and 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 it, it's good for the people that want those. Questbuster said, "I played Live Alive via the fan translation a long time ago. Not really my cup of tea, but still happy they're bringing it over officially." Yes. So yeah, so there was the whole Nintendo Direct stuff. Uh, also, right before we went on the air, uh, it was mentioned in chat. If you have a PS4 or five, you got to get Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, it's a game of the year contender. Uh, I am. Uh, I haven't gotten it yet, but I know that. Like, I actually have like a coworker who's like, "Yeah, I'm a gaming widow this weekend." My husband got got the new Horizon game, and my, my brother finally got his hands on a PS5 last month because Horizon was coming up this month. Uh, so he's he was a hermit and played Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I have Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm about eight or nine hours into it. Uh, and so I probably need to finish that before getting into Forbidden West, which means that maybe it'll be on sale by the time I get to Forbidden West. Um, so that's out, and a lot of people are enjoying it. I hear it's uh, it's getting a lot of great reviews and a lot of great uh, reactions. And uh, Horizon Zero Dawn probably would have been a Game of the Year contender if it didn't come out three days before uh, Legends of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So maybe uh, this w- this will have better fate. Uh, S. Sharon Matt says, I can get Horizon in a store, still can't get a PS5. So um, if I don't know if, they, if they've patched this. And I think E3VL just brought up exactly what I was going to bring up. Uh, it, I, I don't know if they fixed this. If you still have a PS4 and you're going to buy the game digitally, uh, buy it digitally on your PS4 because it's at the PS4 price, which is $60 you get a free upgrade to the PS5 version, even if you already own a PS5. But if you buy it on the PS4, then uh, which you can also do via the app. You can buy the PS4 version via like the website or your phone. You don't need the actual physical PS4 to do it. But then you get the free upgrade. If you buy it digitally on your PS5, you pay the PS5 price, which is $70. Games went up $10 with the next generation of game, uh, consoles. So if you're going to buy it digitally... Buy the PS4 version, either using your app or using an actual PS4, and then you're going to be able to magically download the PS5 version to your PS5. So uh, pro tip, E3VL brought that up in chat as well, uh, but I promise I was just about to go there. So um, yeah, and, and yeah, you still can't get a PS5 in the store. You want to know what else you're going to uh, not be able to get in a store, and it's a whole bunch of old digital titles. 
So there was a lot of stuff I want to talk about that happened last week and stuff, and then this dropped. This dropped this week, and I'm like, all right, well, I know what my entire show is going to be about because there's a very interesting angle uh, about this uh, and about uh, you know, other people trying to come to, to, to other people trying to fix this that uh, is being blocked by the game industry. So uh, Kotaku reports that in a post titled Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShop Discontinuation, Nintendo just announced that in March of 2023, the online storefronts for both systems will be ceasing operations. Uh, but in a practical sense, the closures will begin a lot sooner. So as of May 23rd, 2022, it will no longer be possible to use a credit card to add funds to an account into a Nintendo eShop or Wii U or the three Nintendo 3DS family of systems. And as of August 29th, 2022, it will no longer be possible to use a Nintendo eShop card to add funds uh, to an account in Nintendo eShop on Wii U or the 3DS family of systems. However, it will still be possible to redeem download codes until March of 2023. Uh, so, uh, even now, if you already own the game, Nintendo does claim even after late March, 2023, and for the foreseeable future, it will still be possible to re-download games and DLC, receive software updates and enjoy online play on, uh, Wii U and the 3DS family of systems. So unlike the Wii, uh, you can still download games that you already have, uh, and you've already purchased, but you will not be able to purchase new games or add funds to be able to purchase those games sometime in 2022. Uh, now, remember, the Wii shop is off, so it's gone. Like, you can't even re-download. Like, the Wii shop channel goes to nothing. It says, thank you for playing, but go away. And so, eventually, that's going to happen on the Wii U and the 3DS. Um, so, the 3DS, it's 11 years old, uh, and the Wii U is 10 years old. So, you know, it, it's we're past the life cycle of the consoles, but also... I realize the PS4 is nine years old, and you can buy Horizon Zero or Horizon Forbidden West on your PS4 for ten dollars cheaper. Anyway, it's uh, it, it, it's a crappy situation, is what this is. Um, now there was a very interesting FAQ posted, uh, and as part of this FAQ, there was a question that has since been removed. Um. And this question was, once it is no longer possible to purchase software in Nintendo eShop on Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems, many classic games for past platforms will cease to be available for purchase anywhere. Will you make classic games available to, to own some other way? If not, then why? Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve its classic games by continually making them available for purchase? That is the actual question posed on Nintendo's website in the FAQ. Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve its classic games by continually making them available for purchase? That's, that was literally on Nintendo's site. It's not there anymore. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what probably happened is that somebody who hated this decision that works in the website department decided to phrase the question that way just to get under the boss's skin. I'm guessing, I'm just guessing that that's somebody who's like, I've got to be on the front lines of this terrible decision. So I'm going to phrase it this way for the PR nightmare. And the answer. 
Across our Nintendo Switch online membership plans, over 130 classic games are currently available in growing libraries for various legacy systems. The games are often enhanced with new features such as online play. We think that this is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players. Within these libraries, new and longtime players can not only find games they remember or have heard about, but other fun games they might not have thought to seek out otherwise. And then the last bullet point on here, which, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do, use the evil voice for this. The evil voice is going to be here. We currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. So that was on Nintendo's website. That was on the FAQ. It's not there anymore. They removed it. But once on the Internet, it stays forever on the Internet forever. Um, and so that, that's what they actually had said is that they have no plans to offer the content in any other ways. And I'm going to be honest. I do understand that there is the technical limitation of the fact that the switch is not a Wii U as much as we made jokes that like the game, the Wii was two GameCubes duct taped together and the Wii U is two Wiis duct taped together. And people say that the switch is just two Wii U's duct taped together. That's not actually how it is. And just because you can compile something to the Wii U, that uses the Wii U gamepad doesn't necessarily mean you can easily port it to the Switch. And for a lot of these titles, people aren't buying them anymore. So uh, it, it doesn't make sense for like the companies that made a Wii U-specific title that use the Wii U gamepad and the TV, use that dual-screen functionality. Uh, it does, may not make sense for them to redesign their game to work on a one screen. Uh, same with 3DS titles. Yes, um, you know, you can absolutely... Uh, work with the the 3ds type of stuff uh but is it worth it is it financially worth it to a company to make it work on modern hardware and it might not be so how many games are we actually talking about here questbuster actually posted this link in our discord over at vognetwork.com slash discord and um it's over a thousand games are going to be gone ZenMonkey11 says, I'm going to use my 3DS ambassador powers to fix this. Nintendo owes me. Yes, I remember that. If you bought the 3DS on, like, launch day, you became an ambassador, like, a year later when they actually, like, fixed everything about the 3DS. Uh, we don't remember that anymore. We don't really, like, nobody really remembers that the 3DS launch was actually kind of disastrous. Uh, but it worked out in the end because now we're, like, all sad that we can't play 3DS games anymore. Anyway. Video Games Chronicle reports that up to 1,000 digital-only games will no longer be available for purchase when Nintendo closes the Wii U and 3DS eShop stores next year. Uh, in total, around 2,000 games are currently available on the 3DS and Wii U eShop stores in the West, uh, including 450 digital-only Wii U games, 600 digital-only 3DS games. These are all estimates, by the way. Uh, around 100 Wii U games that are also available physically... 300 3DS games that are also available physically and nearly 530 virtual console games, around 350 of which are not currently available on Nintendo Switch Online. So those are estimates. Uh, it's, you know, them actually like just going through line by line and, and checking some boxes. So there's some discrepancies in there, I'm sure. So for the Wii U, according to Nintendo, there are 842 digital Wii U games currently available to download in North America, 838 in Europe and 684 in Japan. Um... So um, a number of these titles are exclusive or at least console exclusive to the Wii U, 
while some others might be on other systems. While the vast majority of these are small indie games that may not have sold in large numbers, in terms of game preservation, that's still a collection of console games that will soon no longer be able to be acquired through legal means. So here's some of the Wii U download-only exclusives that are going to be gone for good in 2023. Uh, Affordable Space Adventures, Amiibo Tap, uh, Nintendo's Greatest Bits, Chasing Aurora, Dr. Luigi, The Letter, Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge, Pokemon Rumble U, Pushmo World, and Shut the Box. Now, the region-locked nature of the Wii U means that there will also be some titles that will be essentially unavailable in specific regions. Uh, so, like, Art Academy Home uh, Studio is not going to be available in North America. Mario vs. Donkey Kong Tipping Stars will be unavailable in North America and Europe. And Fast Racing Neo will be unavailable in North America. These are titles that are available digitally, but they don't have a physical version, and the console is region-locked, so you can't actually use the disc. On the 3DS, uh, it had a longer lifespan, and it was way more popular. So, there, are, according to Nintendo, 1,331 3DS digital titles are available in Japan, 1,075 in Europe and 1,099 in North America. This includes virtual console titles and retail titles with digital versions. Um, just over 600 of these games in the West are download-only 3DS eShop titles. Uh, so the 3DS, because of the two-screen layout, has a lot of exclusive titles that use that 3DS layout. Uh, and also the 3DS, the 3D screen. So like 3D enhanced re-releases of like uh, Excite Bike, Kid Icarus, Kirby's Adventure, stuff like that. We're going to be losing those. Um, Eleven entries in Sega's 3D Classic series will also be gone. Um, while there were separate console compilations released in Japan, only one of those was made in the West. So 3D versions of Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage 2, Outrun, Sonic the Hedgehog, Echo the Dolphin, and Gunstar's Heroes will no longer be available in the 3DS. So other examples of games from Video Games Chronicle of 3DS games that were download-only and exclusive to the 3DS are uh, Chibi-Robo, Let's Go Photo, Dylan's Rolling Western 1 and 2, Dr. Mario Miracle Cure, Fluidity Spin Cycle, uh, Kretzel's Corridors, Mario and Donkey Kong Minis on the Move, Mar Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge, Nintendo Pocket Football Club, all the Picross games, which I played all eight of them, because I'm weird like that, uh, Pocket Card Jockey, Pokemon Battle Trozoi, Pokemon Picross, another great, actually my entry into Picross was Pokemon Picross, because it was free to play. Uh, you just had to pay money to play it more often, so I just bought the Picross games for a flat fee. Uh, Pushmo, uh, Harmonite, Sakura Samurai, uh, Sanrio characters Picross, a Picross game I didn't play, uh, Steel Empire, and Tokyo Crash Mobs. So there are uh, the 3DS is also region locked, so there are a lot of car physically cartridge physical cartridge games uh, that uh, that that won't be available. Not every game is region locked, uh, but certain ones are. So uh, let's see, uh, RPG fans in Europe, you might want to buy Shin Megami Tensei 4 because it had a cartridge release in the U.S., but not over there. So you're going to lose that. Um, and then on the virtual console, this is where a lot of games are going to be disappearing uh, if you care about playing them in these platforms. Now, these are not as dire because we have other ways of preserving these. So there are virtual console games that are, are going to be gone. Um, there are 350 retro games released on the 3DS and Wii U in the West that are not available to play on the Nintendo Switch. Um 
So there are 70 Game Boy Advance games, 50 Game Boy games, 31 Game Boy Color games, 40 TurboGrafx-16 games, uh, 16 Game Gear games, 30 DS games, 35 Wii games, 47 NES games, 27 SNES games, and 8 Nintendo 64 games that are not on Nintendo Switch Online. So... Uh, like this isn't as bad as the other stuff because we have other ways of preserving these and we've been preserving these and people have absolutely other ways of preserving these. So this is not as big of a deal, but it's still a big blow to people who maybe don't want to deal with learning how a retro pie works or how an EverDrive works uh, or they don't have the original hardware for, for, for an EverDrive. And there are a lot of people that are like that. People that watch this podcast, people that watch this on Twitch, this that's easy. RetroPie, it's super easy. It's super simple. For somebody who's not as technically inclined, it's not. And so having Nintendo do all the hard work for you and you just play it on your device, that's very uh, appealing to people with like an NES Classic or an SNES Classic. And yes, I know you can also hack the NES Classic and SNES Classic. Once again, if you're not very technically minded, that's very daunting, even though it is super simple to someone who's very t- who's technically able to do that it's oh yeah you install a program on your computer you plug in by usb you hold the button and you do it and it's great that's scary to some people and those people also enjoy these old games why no record says uh, the argument is always make it retail available and piracy goes down right there are so many game boy advance games i missed out out on i'd throw new cash at exactly exactly Dark to see says, yeah, the bottom line is I really wish Nintendo did a better job making all this legacy content available in some way, although I get it's probably not that simple. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a lot of licensing agreements, and that that's part of it, too, because a lot of those games that are on Virtual Console, on the Wii U and the Wii and on the 3DS, because remember, we've already lost a lot of Virtual Console games on the Wii. There were a bunch of Commodore 64 games on the Wii, Virtual Console. Those Those are gone, too, but we have other ways of preserving those as well. But, like, we had Konami games. We had Capcom games that were on. We had Squaresoft games, like, where Super Mario RPG, at least, has a virtual console release on the Wii U and on the 3DS. And uh, those licensing agreements allowed for that. However, those titles are not on the Nintendo Switch Online because Konami would rather, and I'm sure, you know, Capcom would rather release their own compilation that has those games on it uh, because then they get the direct revenue from it. Uh, whereas and when it was on virtual console and you were buying a la carte, you spent eight bucks on a super Nintendo game. Uh, part of that money went to the original rights holder, but for Nintendo switch online, Nintendo just gets your, whatever it is, 20 bucks a year. They don't necessarily split that with everybody. Uh, so Konami's not going to see that much of your 20 bucks a year. Um, so they're going to want to show it themselves. They're going to get, you know, they're going to want to release it themselves. So they're not going to want to put it on Nintendo Switch Online because, you know, they they like making money. And I know everybody says Konami's hemorrhaging money. No, they've they've got a very very popular. And I bring this up every time. They've got a very popular slot machine pachinko business. That that's what they do primarily now. They're not they're not hurting as a company. They're just not doing the things you want them to be doing. Fifth Room says they need to make a bunch of Pokemon gens uh, available again on Switch this time. I'd buy Pistol again, Crystal again, right now, especially if it was uh, uh, Pokemon Home compatible. So the, the Game Boy games, if you were looking for uh, Game Boy Advance games, these are the games that are going to be removed from sale. Uh, so if you want to get them, 
that are available on uh, the Wii U or the, uh, the 3DS. Um, Advanced Wars 1 and 2, F-Zero Maximum Velocity, F-Zero GP Legend, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem the Sacred Stones, Golden Sun, Golden Sun the Lost Age, Kirby, Nightmare in Dreamland, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, Mario Golf Advance Tour, Mario Kart Super Circuit, Mario Tennis Power Tour, uh, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Mega Man Battle Network 1 through 6, Mega Man Zero 1 through 4, Metroid Fusion, Metroid Zero Mission, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Super Mario Advance 1 through 4, and Wario Land 4. So you're going to want to get those. You're going to want to pick those up if you want to play them on those systems. Or there are other ways to get those. Like that's as much as this sucks, this is not as devastating as losing the Wii U exclusive titles and using the 3DS exclusive titles that uh, are are not as simple to to emulate. You kind of need the original hardware or some kind of way to emulate that hardware uh, to be able to use those. E3 VLS is the Pokemon Bank free now. It used to be prescri- uh, subscription. And Mike Dev says it will be free to use after the eShop closes. So uh, it'll be free to use once they stop taking money on the eShop, I'm guessing. There's another story here that I didn't realize. And it's because I don't pay attention to this segment of the market and in this segment of, of the video game industry. And it's video game preservation because, th- you know, it's not just about playing these games. It's about preserving these games. We have a really wonderful, uh, you know, preservation of the 70s and of the 80s and of the 90s, thanks to the preservation efforts and the efforts to emulate these old systems so we can still play these games and we can still study these games. There are people that study these games. There are people that that get the source code, the decompiled source code of Atari 2600 games and do thesis papers on them. And we study them and, and you know, how did they work, what, how they were, what they were thinking and trying to figure out the algorithms uh, and, and, and all that. And that's all amazing work that goes into preserving the history of the video game industry. Unfortunately, we're about to enter some kind of dark ages because there is not preservation like that. And the reason we don't have preservation like that for current titles is because of the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association. They're the company that uh, they're they're the uh, the industry uh, body that represents a lot of AAA game companies. That uh, and they make E three, but they also represent the industry, the software industry, uh, in lobbying groups in government uh, and and in legal matters to protect the industry. And they're fighting against people who they feel are are going to hurt the gaming industry, hate the gaming cu- uh, companies. So this is not – they're not on your side. They're on the side of the studios, the publishers. Um, and it turns out that one of the things that they are fighting are preservationists, people that are trying to preserve these works for future generations. Um, and th- there was a statement by the Video Game History Foundation, which is uh, – they, 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 uh, it's one of the largest, I believe, like video game preservation societies in, in the world. They preserve old magazines and they preserve documents and source code discs and things like that. And they put out a statement about this. And uh, they said, while it's unfortunate that people won't be able to purchase digital 3DS or Wii U games anymore, we understand the business reality that went into this decision. What we don't understand is what path Nintendo expects its fans to take should they wish to play these games in the future. 
As a paying member of the Entertainment Software Association, Nintendo actively funds lobbying that prevents even libraries from being able to provide legal access to these games. Not providing commercial access is understandable, but preventing institutional work to preserve these titles on top of that is actively destructive to video game history. We, the Video Game History Foundation, encourage ESA members like Nintendo to rethink their position on this issue and work with existing institutions to find a solution. That's a bigger story to me because there's like, you know, yes, it, it, it's great that that statement came out, but the, the lead there is kind of buried. Um, the lead there is is ESA is fighting libraries and they absolutely are. There is uh, here in America, and I'm going to basically just talk about the United States because this deals with United States law. So I apologize to anybody who's not in the United States. I understand that there's a big, big, huge world out there, but I'm going to specifically talk about the United States for a little bit. We have the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA. And the DMCA basically is is to fight uh, basically piracy. And uh, it's to protect copyrighted works from people who would pirate it. And Video games, especially video games that were on more modern consoles like the Wii U, like the 3DS, have encryption. And breaking the encryption to pirate the game violates the DMCA. Now, there are provisions that allow the DMCA uh, to be circumvented by historical institutions doing preservation, libraries, stuff like that. Um, however, it does not apply to games. It applies to movies. It applies to, to other forms of digital content, but it does not apply to video games. And the ESA actively fights libraries when they are trying to do this. And the MAID, which is uh, the video game software museum that is in, uh, I believe it's in Oakland, or it's in the Bay Area somewhere. Uh, and, I, and I completely blanked on what the MAID stands for, but this is uh, it's a video game museum. We covered them before because they did a preservation with the original creators of uh, a game called Habitat. Now, Habitat was the original metaverse. And it was a, a game by Lucasfilm Games. And it was an online graphical chat room in 1986. It was on the Commodore 64. And it was a part of the Q-Link online service, or Quantum Link, which... Uh, later changed its name to their, its more successful PC version, America Online. Um, so Q-Link was the service that started first, and then they said, well, let's make Q-Link for PCs. We'll call it America Online. Uh, but it shut down in 1994. So the maid worked with uh, Chip Morningstar and F. Randall Farmer and the people that worked on the original Habitat project in the 80s to essentially make the original Commodore 64 client talk to servers so you could get into Habitat, and it's called Neo Habitat. And the ESA did not like that at all. The ESA sued. And the maid had a series of tweets saying not on the ESA, not only did we mop the floor with them in our DMCA hearing because they applied for a DMCA exemption and the ESA fought it tooth and nail, uh, the lawyers for the ESA did not understand the most basic computer te terminology or development techniques. They accused us of building generic tools that could hack any MMO just by rebuilding Habitat. 
They were joined by the MPAA and RIAA, so that's the Motion Picture Association of America and the Recording Industry Association of America, so that's the movie and the music industry, in their opposition to our last exemption in 2018. And frankly, they had no idea why they were there or what they were fighting against. For perspective, the MPAA, the RIA, and the ESA all paid a very expensive lawyer to come stop people doing work for free from UC Berkeley and the maid, exclusively designed to help preserve an ancient MMO that shut down in 1994. And they failed. And they said, uh, the last time that uh, we engaged with the ESA, this is the maid, which is the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment. Thank you so much, Questbuster. That's why I have a live chat room. Uh, they seem to have absolutely decimated their grants budget and were doing all charity work through a single individual who work with outside organizations. They used to fund so many nonprofits. So the ESA will go to court to stop you or to stop a, uh, a, a museum from trying to preserve something that last operated in 1994, even if they are working with the original creators. So the ESA does not allow for exemptions. And Frank Cifaldi from the Video Game History Foundation uh, said uh, that he's really glad to to see that a message of substance like the one that I showed initially uh, is getting filtered through the noise. But, wow, pretty much nobody understands the nuance of this situation. Every reply is either Nintendo good or Nintendo bad. And not, wait, the ESA is fighting games in libraries? Yes, they are. So... Somebody actually asked Frank, like, so, so what's what's the angle? What's the ESA's angle? Because you know there there is a point, like there there is a point, whether you agree with it or not. You people try to understand the opposition. And Frank said in a tweet, I'm paraphrasing, but the ESA's stance is that people might actually play the games for fun if they're at a library, which is bad. The ESA is okay for preserving the games for historical research. But the minute somebody might play it for fun and not for historical research, that crosses the line for the ESA. And it's theoretically possible, according to Frank, that a few abandoned games might someday be sold again. So therefore, the other 99.9% cannot be saved. And Nintendo is part of the ESA. So I know that I, I said in the intro to the show... If you remember the intro to the show, I said Nintendo is actively fighting. Uh, that Nintendo fights libraries who want to preserve these games. Nintendo's not sending the lawyer, but the group that they pay to advocate on their behalf in the court system and in, 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 in Congress absolutely is. So Nintendo is paying for this to happen, even if Nintendo is not doing it directly. Because if somebody came out with an effort to emulate the Wii U games that we're going to be, you know, and, and, and preserve those Wii U games, the ESA would be right there saying, no, no, you can't do that. S. Sharon Matt says, I remember Bobby had that interview with uh, the folks, actually one person, who did the preservation of the Miiverse archives. He actually worked with Frank Cifaldi on that as well. Uh, I wonder if Nintendo went after them. Uh, from what I remember, basically all that Miiverse stuff was just out in the open. Nintendo didn't close it up for them, to, uh, didn't, just didn't close up for them to preserve. Um so that's a little different because they didn't hack anything. Um, they they that was just scrubbing a website. So there was actually no DMCA violation with the Miiverse stuff. So there was nothing Nintendo could do. Um, it's just scrubbing and saving a website. 
this to preserve a Wii U or a 3DS title, you need to circumvent uh, the 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 encryption key with when with the digital game. Um, you you need to circumvent that, and that is the point where the DMCA gets involved. Why no record says a lot of these programs do uh, problems do seem to stem from bureaucracy uh, that does of people who do not understand. Um, and and Tiger Claw mentioning there is already an emulator for Wii U. Yes, like it's the preservation is happening or the the ability to play them, but the issue is um, because it exists on the server. Uh, you need to be able to get that file off of the server. It's not like you can have a disc like a Wii U game disc and, and put it in and, and read it. It's a little bit different than that. Um, so that's what they're worried about because these are all digital only titles. And this is like one of the first major storefronts of digital only titles that is shutting down. Yes, we had the Wii, but it didn't seem as big as this because especially with the 3DS closing, because for the Wii, there were still a lot of titles that came out on disc it really wasn't until the Wii U generation with the PS4 and the Xbox One where we had a glut of digital-only titles. So the point I want to make from this is, A, if you still have a Wii U and a 3DS and you might want to play these titles, you may want to buy them soon. Uh, there are a lot of great ones out there. And a lot of them are available digitally, and they had a physical release, but they're very hard to get. Like I have Radiant Historia, uh, uh, Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology. I have the 3DS cart. Uh, apparently, I could sell that for like 400 bucks or something like that because it's super rare, but I'm not going to. Uh, but it's available digitally for like 25 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever. So um, you're, you're going to have to act fast in the next couple months to be able to do that. But also, um, I, we, we need the ESA to stop fighting preservation efforts because it's going to really suck in 2040 or 2050 when the kids who are in their 30s and 40s at that time uh, are going to be nostalgic for the 3DS and the Wii U games that they played as a kid and have no way to play them anymore. Me, I can get nostalgic all I want for the games that I played when I was a kid, and I have plenty of... Pre there, there has been so much preservation of those titles that I can play them on modern TVs, I can play them on old TVs. I, I, it's there. But the kids who grew up on the Wii U and the 3DS and, and in the future, the PS4 and the Xbox One, uh, which, yes, I'm sure somebody did grow up on the original Xbox One, as, as, as weird as that may sound. But there's going to be a lot of titles there. If we don't figure this out now, there's going to be a huge dark age in video game history. And Questbuster says, in a way, this is a canary in the coal mine of an increasingly digital future when it comes to questions of digital preservation and study. We're, we're also already seeing this a little bit in, let's talk outside of video games. And you may want to think about this. Photos. Where are all your photos that you have taken of things that you have experienced, places you've been? It's on one of these. And I'm holding up a cell phone. Every once in a while, I go through, and this is the, the old me talking, not the 29-year-old me talking. Every once in a while, I'll go through and I'll find a photo album. Or I'll find a pack of, from Wolf Camera, a little pack that has, you know, 26 pictures in it. 
or actually has 26 times two because there were, we always got doubles. Um, and I would go through and look at those. I don't have any of those after the year 2000. And I had a hard drive crash. So there are photos that I took between the year 2000 and 2007. They're gone. I'll never see them again. And a lot of people are like that. There are people that have kids in like 2010. Every single picture they have of their kid as a baby was digital. So what you're going to want to do, if you haven't lost your pictures, get them printed. Take your digital photos. Uh, there are like now the places that used to develop pictures, like, you know, you're, you're a drugstore. Like, I'm going to go back into the U United States side of things. I apologize for people who are not in America. But like go to a Walgreens or a CVS or, or, or something like that. And they have a photo center, a Kodak photo center. What they do now, instead of developing your film, we, we used to be able to get film developed in one hour because these places actually had photo developing things. They don't have those anymore. If you have actual film, they send it off somewhere to get it developed and send it back. Uh, but now they have photo printing where you take in a card, a flash drive of some kind, and they will print out your photos and cut them for you. And then get, go to um, a, a Michaels or something, get a photo album. They do still make photo albums and put them in there. And that way, in 20 years, in 30 years, you're going to be able to look back at this time in your life because you're going to want to. I wish I could look back and see what I was doing in the early 2000s. I can't. It's gone. Because I didn't print them out. I took the pictures digitally. I didn't print them out. And now I don't know where they are. They're gone. There's a chance there might be a hard drive somewhere in one of my boxes that has them. But I don't know. I don't know if they're there. And Tiger Claw says, every time I take a photo or a video from my phone, it's automatically uploaded to my NAS uh, to to my NAS over the internet. And then what happens when your NAS crashes? Oh, I back up to to the cloud. I'm sure that's the next thing. Oh, I'm, I back up to to iCloud. Well, what if what if you lose your credentials to iCloud? If it's digital, you can lose it. Print it out. Questbuster says physical photos were a convenient redundancy. We had the film negatives in the physical photos and additional copies of said physical photos. Technology should be an additional layer of redundancy for it. But nowadays you lose your phone and did not put them on the cloud. It's just gone. And you can lose access to your cloud. Somebody can hack into your cloud and delete everything. And then it's gone. So we're going to be entering a digital dark age. And with games, we're now starting to hit it with the closure of the uh, Wii U and the 3DS shop. Right now, Steam... Every, Steam was the first one, and, and Steam even said, oh, yeah, we're going to put out, you know, the, the kill switch. And, you know, if Steam ever shuts down, we're going to put out the kill switch, and, and there, our DRM is going to be disabled forever. Um, not everybody is Valve, and there's also no guarantee that's actually going to happen whenever that does happen. That was Valve talking 20 years ago. SJ Wonder Matt uh, also says, my mom passed away five years ago. Sorry to hear that. I had tons of old text messages from her on my own phone that got destroyed one day. I never backed them up ahead of time. I ended up spending some amount of money to retrieve those text messages. Now I have those saved on different mediums. Always back everything up because you never know when you'll lose something important. And Tiger Claw says it's important to have a backup of a backup. And I, I understand that. I'm saying that backup of your backup, if it's photos, if it's text messages should not be digital. 
That is the point I'm trying to make. You can have a backup of a backup of a backup of a backup of a backup. If they're all digital, it's not as good. We're going to take a quick music break. Uh, There is no Orange Lounge Radio tonight, so if somebody does want to call in and talk about this or talk about some of the other stuff that I I missed, head on over to the green room uh, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Discord, vognumber.com slash Discord, uh, and we can talk about something uh, because Rob is busy moving in, so he will not be joining us tonight, and there is going to be an OLR tonight. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Hey, this is Obi-Wan Jabroni. When I'm not beating up Jar Jar Binks, I'm listening to the Bobby Blackwolf Show right here on vognetwork.com. And oh yeah, one more thing, hogwash. That's right, it is hogwash that the ESA is fighting libraries. I mean, come on. That's hogwash. Thank you so much for that bumper, Obi-Wan Jabroni. If you want to leave a bumper, uh, all you got to do is contact me. Usually I just need an audio file or a video file of just your voice. I will choose what DMCA violation I will I will risk uh, at the ba- behind it, uh, but of something coming back to the Bobby Blackwolf show. Uh, there was a question, like, right as I was, like, saying, yeah, now we're going to go to a music break. There was a question that came in, and I, and I was like, I know this question is going to come in. And so I want to talk about this real quick. Uh, Pod Culture asked about the topic we just had, about the, the, the preserving stuff. Pod Culture is like, uh, what if a natural disaster strikes? Physical is gone then, too. Uh, yes. I, you know, you're right, but it is more likely that a digital failure will occur than a physical failure. Just the odds are greater that a digital failure will occur. There are a lot more things that can go wrong with digital than they, there can be with physical. That being said, a lot of people do store precious photo albums in a fireproof safe. A lot of people, that's what a lot of people put in their, in their fireproof safes, along with like important documents and stuff like that. But, but that's one of the things that people put in there uh, to, to minimize the risk. And so Paco says, so CYA and do both. I'm not saying don't store them digitally. I'm just saying don't only store them digitally. That's all I'm saying. And as Sherwin or Matt, who's, uh, who's had a terrible life, I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess you've had a lot of good things happen in your life, but man, I, I feel bad. Like, he's like, my family had a freak flooding where we lost all of our family fo- photos. We had negatives to retrieve some things, but again, it was a freak situation, not the norm. Uh, bad luck, Matt, is what he says. Yes, I'm, that's, that sucks. So I have the green room open. I'm going to look and see if anybody's in there. Uh, nobody's in there right now. So when we do take calls, uh, you go to our Discord server, fognetwork.com slash Discord uh, is uh, where we are. Uh, and you join the green room chat room ch- uh, chat channel. And then uh, I can bring you in and we can talk about anything going on in the gaming industry. So uh, nobody's doing that right now. Uh, Rob Roberts is lurking. So I will go ahead and give an update uh, that uh, he, he he's lurking. He's working. They, they moved into a new house. That was the big announcement. Uh, and uh, the new house looks great. I've seen pictures of it. Um, and, uh, Rob says my studio isn't quite ready yet. I don't even know if it'll be where I want it by next week. LOL for forever work in progress. I completely understand, uh, because I'm also doing a work in progress and, uh, I'm going to share, uh, a photo for those on, on, on the podcast or for, for those watching on Twitch. And I apologize to the people on the podcast because this is one of those things like, I'm probably not going to put this out there. This is just for, 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 for y'all, but We've gotten a little bit. We actually, I will be able to share the photo when we're done. 
but we've been working this week on actually our our, our game room, our arcade room. So um, we actually have hung the lights in our arcade room. So we actually have these black lights hung across the ceiling. Uh, and we have black light reflective carpet. We have a black light uh, poster uh, and stuff like that. So um, we've had, this is actually what we were doing this week. And also there's a shelf that you can't see yet. Uh, there is a shelf uh, that I'm going to be displaying some stuff. So next week uh, I will probably have better pictures of this room uh, and maybe even video. And that I will share on social media. But right now uh, you got to be here on Twitch to see what we've been doing here. And so it's kind of a work in progress type of picture uh, from from uh, that I actually literally took about two hours ago because we finally hung the rest of the lights uh, and stuff. And it will make a lot more sense uh, when I show the room for real uh, because um, pinball machine number two should be here hopefully uh, this week. Hopefully. Um, maybe next week. Uh, really depends. Uh, so next week I might be showing a video about a new pinball machine in which you'll see that room. That's actually why we're finishing up that room because it's a lot easier to do a lot of that stuff when you only have to one move one pinball machine than when you have to move two. So we were trying to get, uh, get everything kind of set up and get that room quote unquote finished. Um, now, uh, now before we had two pin- pinball machines and three arcade one up machines and, and stuff, cause it's, it's, it's a cool little room, but it is a little room. And we're kind of learning that, oh, yeah, this room is actually smaller than we thought once we started putting stuff in it. It looked like a cavernous room when it was empty, and then when you put stuff in it, are like, oh, it's not as much. Pop Culture says, Bobby will need the token machine next. Actually, well, so no, and here's why. Well, A, I have arcade 1-ups, and they don't have coin slots. But you're like, but the pinball machine does. It, it does have coin slots. You are absolutely correct. However, and this is the pinball nerd in me talking, um, I don't have the coin box anymore. Right? I do. It's, it's just not in the machine. Because one of the modifications I did to the Mandalorian, which I have the Mandalorian premium pinball machine, I have a Rush, because Rush is my favorite band. I've got the limited edition of Rush coming, uh, which they've left the factory now. So that's why I'm hoping like this week I'll get a call from the distributor. They'll be like, yep, it's ready to come get, uh, and then he'll ship it to me. But um, one of the things I did is because the stock speaker system in uh, the Mandalorian, in the Stern pinball machines, is is actually not, not good. Um, it, it, it's passable, but it's not great. So I actually got what's called Pinwoofer, P-I-N-W-O-O-F-E-R. Uh, and that's, I think it's pinwoofer.com. And it is a modification which they use. Uh, it's car stereo speakers is what they are. Uh, and they send you new speakers and an amplifier. And this gives your machine a lot more bass. You have an amplifier that where you can adjust certain things, gives you an equalizer, and it makes the game sound so much better. However... You have to eliminate and remove things that rattle. And one of the things that rattles when you actually have a good subwoofer is the coin box. And also the coin box is where that area where the coin box is, is where the actual pinwoofer sits. So the actual amp sits. It actually sits inside the coin door in the coin box. So I actually can't take coins anymore. In, in my in, in my pinball machine. So, no, 
I'm not going to put a token machine. I'd rather people just pay me cash up front. These are, I'm, I'm going through like pictures that are on my Twitter thread uh, that I made about this, but essentially I took the machine out and you basically, you take out the original stock speakers, which is a, um, if you're watching on Twitch, is the left picture is the stock speaker that comes in, comes with your pinball cabinet. And then there is a, a new like high-end car speaker that they send you that you put into the same thing. And you, they, they have like a 3d mounted bracket and you mount it inside the pinball machine. And, uh, that's what it looked like before. And then after, um, and then there's also inside, there's a, there's a cabinet speaker underneath the play field. And so you remove the existing one and you put in this big, nice subwoofer, uh, that is a lot bigger, uh, and it, and it provides a lot more. And then there is also a, a little amp, and you can actually see in the picture here where there's an amp on the left side. I forgot I can actually use my mouse. Uh, that's where the coin box sits. That's the little area where the coin box sits in the co- coin door. It sits in there, and then you can actually, like, adjust the gain and everything. And you, you actually have to, like, plug in some daughter boards to, and, and route some power through the, the, through the system uh, and stuff. And then you get this little pinwoofer. Uh, you you can adjust all the like the knobs for the bass and the treble and all that stuff, and then you you get a lot better game. Uh, Tackle asks how many watts. I don't remember. Um, you I I didn't. It's tailor made for the pinball machine. So I actually like said, yeah, no, I have the Mandalorian Premium, so I got the kit tailor made for the Mandalorian Premium. There's some 3D printed parts specifically for to fit my cabinet, fit those speakers to my cabinet and stuff like that. So um so yeah, so I can't take coins anymore, so there's no point in getting tokens. And uh, Popcorn said I wanted a commemorative Black Wolf Arcade token and Sherry Matt says, I looked at that uh not long ago. It's silly expensive for custom tokens. Um so and S. Jerome Matt says the upgrade will also totally up uh, up the resale value of the table. Yeah, uh, it, it it will. Um, I do have another mod on there which I don't think I took a picture of, uh, but I have which I'm it's not actually going to be in the table. Uh, but I got the little cup holder. So now I actually have uh, it's called a pin gulp, is actually the name of it, and it's a cup holder that you attach to the leg. So it's attached to the two bolts of the leg, and it holds a pint glass. Or a coffee mug, or a soda can, or a soda bottle, or a pint glass, or a beer stein, uh, and so you just put it right there, and it's attached to the leg. And uh, and I've got those. I've actually have two of those. I already have the one for for my rush, and I also have another pinwolfer kit for my rush table. So like I'm gonna like get it, plug it in, make sure it works, play a couple games, then I'm gonna immediately like rip out the speakers and put new stuff in. So, Escher and Matt only says, only Bobby can drink in the arcade, though. That's the rule. No, other people can drink in the arcade unless you have made jokes about purposely staining my carpet with your drinks. Then you, pod culture, you cannot drink in my arcade. You are not allowed to bring food and drink in the arcade. Other people who don't make jokes like that uh, are, are allowed to, to, to bring a drink into the arcade. So uh, that is it for me. Um, so uh, I, I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. So will Orange Lounge Radio. They're not going to be here tonight. Uh, Rob is still busy moving in. Uh, it, it sounds like it's been going well, moving into Mr. Smush's new place. Um, so uh, and, and I did see something. There is room for another arcade one-up machine. I saw where he put the burger time, and I saw that there's this huge empty space for more arcade one-up machines. So 
Uh, so uh, may- maybe we'll see some of those. May- maybe next week. Who knows? Don't rush it, though. Uh, it is a huge undertaking. It took me a while to get this room that I'm in uh, set up. Uh, and I ne- I didn't even I, it's still really not set up the way I want it set up. But uh, and I've lived here four years now, but it'll get there. So hopefully Orange Sound Radio will be back next week. I'm, I'm pretty sure it will be. Uh, and, and we'll get to have our full Fog Network uh, stuff tonight. But um, I will be back next Sunday night. We'll be doing this together and talk about more things than just Nintendo fight, uh, not preserving their games and fighting anybody else that preserves them. Anyway. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Bobby Blackwolf, or uh, and that's where I post some of this stuff, or, or on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. We do have a subscriber chat chat channel uh, that you can only see if you link your Twitch account to your Discord account, and you are subscribed to our Twitch channel. Uh, so that's one of the perks, and maybe you'll see uh, some things about the arcade in there uh, before you see it on social media. So, uh, and Rob Roberts does say, OLR will be back next week, completed studio or half completed. Hey, it's a work in progress. And like mine's, mine's changed multiple times. Um, especially in, and, and even since we went live, I, I'd already lived here for a year and a half before we went on Twitch. Uh, and things have changed. There's another bookcase that wasn't here when we started anyway. Uh, but Rob says the green screen is no more. I don't use my green screen anymore either. I've got it, but I barely, very rarely use it. Uh, but, uh, you can find us there or you can submit feedback there, uh, on our discord server. Hey, if you like the show, tell a friend, if you hate the show, tell an enemy, I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet, but we would not be able to make all this possible and all this work out, especially cause I'm doing the business taxes right now. And that's costing a lot of money, uh, without the help of chatters that go above and beyond, uh, support that you don't absolutely don't have to do. But if you do, we really appreciate it. And you can see our VODs and you can get access to that text chat channel. Uh, so thank you so much to Podculture, who resubscribed, as well as Mike Deft, who resubscribed. It says 38 months. 38 months. Sure is a long time. It is. Uh, and thank you so much. Uh, whether this is your first month or your 38th month or first show or 795th show, uh, thank you so much for being here and watching and listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and find the button that I need to hit to, to end out. Uh, for those live, we're going to be rating someone after, so I'll be back after this, but this is the goodbye to the podcast audience. Thank you so much, and uh, I'll see you next week, hopefully with a new pinball machine. Fingers crossed. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.